Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, as January comes to a close, investors are questioning their strategy and wondering if what they're doing is best for their portfolio. That's right, John. History has shown that having a long-term plan is really what you need to be a successful investor. And you want to have that strategy in place so that you're not making decisions based on your gut feelings or when markets are shifting or you're having or seeing a correction. You want to make sure that you're making good decisions, even though markets might be volatile. And so I think it's important that we discuss today how investors can be successful in 2024. This week on Ready, Set, Retire, we will explore how investors can proactively position themselves for success this year. We will talk about the importance of a financial plan, volatility cycles in the market, and how active management is key for long-term success and different types of investor personalities. So what's the first step in setting yourself up for investment success in 2024? Yeah, I think it's a good idea to have clear and also realistic goals. I think defining what you're going to need, how your portfolio should work for you this year is going to be a factor when looking at being a successful investor. You want to make sure that you've got financial discipline. You want to prevent yourself from having unrealistic expectations. So one of those, John, could be, for example, you expect your portfolio to move higher every single month. Everybody knows in reality that's not the case. Markets go higher and markets go lower and you have two steps forward, one step back sort of thing. And even in a normal year, we can see two 10% corrections. Last year, we saw two significant corrections, and you had a lot of people panicking, thinking that we're just going to see another bear market. But often bear markets last one to two years, and and then life moves on. And and so you just want to make sure, again, you have those realistic goals. And also, you don't want to be always listening to your neighbors and friends about what they're investing in, what they've done in terms of performance. They're not you, and they don't have the same situation as you and your family. So you want to make sure that your goals are defined by what you need and what your family needs or what your estate is looking at doing at the end of your days. So I think that is why it's so important to have a financial plan. And that's why we create one for everybody who comes on board. And it's not just about, do I have enough to retire? A lot of people believe that's what a financial plan is all about. Again, that's a part of it. Other parts are, do I have the greatest tax efficiency in my portfolio? Am I able to move assets from myself to my beneficiaries in the most tax-efficient manner? Do I have enough insurance? Should I have more? Does that make sense? Financial planning and investing go hand in hand, and I wouldn't say one is more important than the other. I think both are significant. In the last 25 years or so, we have seen some wicked volatility, crashes, then record highs, so much for the markets to react to, it seems, in recent history. And I'm just wondering, have the last couple of decades or so, 25 years or so, been more volatile or more of a roller coaster than previous decades? I would say that we've seen more volatility. When you think of the 80s and 90s, even when people think back to the 80s, they think about another great recession that occurred at that time. 
But really, we had an 18-year-long bull market from 1982 to the year 2000. And there are a few blips as well. However, I think when you look at the big picture, even when we've had volatility since 2000 and to now, you still had a lot of highs and highs making higher highs. I think that's important to note. And we just saw that now on the S&P 500 just broke out to a new all-time high. If you ask the average person around you what the stock market is doing, they would say, oh, it's been terrible. But yeah, it had been terrible. And that's what cycles are all about. And that's what inflation caused. But you look at today, and we're in, in a, a very different place than we were before. But I will say those times will come again. John, that's not the only bear market I'm going to see in my career. And right. it's not the, I've been doing this for almost 25 years. And there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And that's one thing that is guaranteed in the stock market. However, there are many more good years than there are bad years. And I think that's important to always put in perspective and don't panic during those volatile times. And so what happens when people focus too much on the daily, weekly, monthly swings of the stock market or their portfolio, they end up panicking and making bad decisions at the wrong time. You think back to last September, October of 2023, and there was a pretty big pullback. And a lot of people just feel the world's in shambles and it's going to go lower and recession is around the corner and nothing of that came to fruition. So you don't want to have these long drawn out predictions because you don't know what's going to happen. You need to make sure that you have flexibility in your investment strategy, make sure that you're staying on top of the economic data that's coming out, the geopolitical situations that we see. But again, you want to make sure that you keep it in perspective because you're investing not for the next year, not for the next five years, you're investing it for a lot of people the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And so again, we're active managers. That's how I've always been, believe that one should be. Don't just set it and forget it. And the reason that is better, in my opinion, is that we're able to make decisions when things are happening instead of just holding on for dear life and hoping things will get better. And we're able to raise cash when needed. And so I don't have to say in the next year, this is what's going to happen. We're looking at day by day. Again, we have our own thesis on where markets are going and the economy, and we're looking at that as well. But again, our clients know and are aware that we're going to take action if needed. And again, that's what active management is all about. So clients aren't worried as much when markets are volatile because they know we're doing something about it. So we're preventing people from getting in the way of themselves when managing their portfolio, right? Because if somebody was doing it alone, you would see a lot of people make those wrong decisions at the wrong time. I would think that if you are a, how shall I put it, mature investor, if you've been around for a while, that you must be pretty used to volatility by now. If you're just getting into the market and, and maybe a bit younger, you might think of it as uh, more of a roller coaster. You mentioned active management just now. So what are some of the actions that an active strategy includes? I will just uh, make a comment there when you talk about mature investors. And John, it's not even about how long people have been investing for. Hmm. I find that people have a certain investor personality and or a profile. And it, it doesn't really come from age. It comes from experiences. So how they were raised, what is their relationship with money? How did their parents handle money situations or money problems? And are people eternal optimists or pessimists? And that is a big gauge on how they're going to handle market volatility. So I think that's important to note. It's not that younger people are, are comfortable with downturns. It's also where people are in life. Are they just retiring? 
Are they living off their portfolio? So those are all the, the kind of questions I go over when meeting people and doing reviews so I can really figure out and understand how they jive with money and markets so that we can, one, invest accordingly, but also set expectations properly. That's a great answer, actually. Very insightful. Yes. After talking to hundreds of people about money, I tend to have some insight on that. And it's very interesting. I find it super interesting how everybody's so different with how they deal with money, financial situations, and so on. But back to the active management, what we do as active managers, one is, again, raising cash. And you and I have gone through this many times in our history, going back to 2009, I think, John, is when we first did the radio show together. And that was right after the financial crisis. And that is, again, where I was talking about back in the day, raising cash is key sometimes. When there's a freight train coming for you, you want to get out of the way. And sometimes that means just stepping aside of extreme market volatility. And I don't mean you sell 100% of your portfolio because you never know when it turns. So you want to keep some skin in the game so that you participate on the recovery. But having that cash allows us to look at positions, good quality companies that have come down with an extreme correction of market. So raising cash for us and for our clients is a big part of our strategy. Shifting into defensive sectors is another one and growth sectors, depending on where we are in the market cycle. Because again, you don't want to be in the wrong side of the trade because when markets start to do well, of course, there's a lot of growth companies that will tend to outperform. It doesn't mean you sell all of your staples and utilities and jump into the other side. Just be aware of what sector should and is doing better at any period or given time. Trimming positions that have grown or selling out of positions that have become out of favor, companies that have had disappointing earnings, maybe the sector hasn't performed well or isn't performing. And we look at a lot of technical analysis to determine some of this as well, as well as the fundamentals, looking at the company. And what do we want to hold longer term? Is this just a blip in their chart or is there something else underlying that we need to actually sell out a position? Again, we're very active in our trading for the portfolios and just managing downside risk. There's always going to be risk out there. There's risk to real estate, to your owning a home. However, most people don't worry about that as much as they do their portfolio because they see it trading every day. That's why people come to us. So we're able to make the decisions for them. And we're managing that downside risk because we are dealing with clients that are 55 to 95. So either close to retired or already retired. And we want to make sure that we're minimizing those corrections or bear markets. Again, you can't sidestep them completely. That will never happen. There will always be a negative year here or there. But I've only had three in 25 years. And so that's obviously a, a good accomplishment. However, there will be one again in the future. But don't get bogged down by the bear market that we just had. The market's coming out of that, breaking out to new all-time highs. And again, we think that's going to progress and we'll keep watching the data. But managing that downside risk is a big part of our strategy. You talked about this earlier, and uh, I think the phrase is uh, getting out of your own way. Uh, when it comes to investing, what are th some of the things that investors do to themselves that are detrimental to their portfolio? So much, John, sometimes so much. <laughs> no, I, you want to avoid trading on a gut feeling. I don't know how many times I have heard from someone, especially when like political situations come about, geopolitical, that I just think this is going to happen. It's too uncertain out there. And every time I've heard that from somebody, you know, and they're making some bigger decision, selling out in October to go to GICs, for example, 
that is the wrong decision. And when things are uncertain, you actually probably should be investing more money in the markets, not less. Again, some people are their own problem, right? And there's no amount of education that you can give somebody or help when things are coming down and they just want to feel better about what's happening. But if you can train your the way you think to do the opposite of what the media is telling you to do or what you're feeling inside to do, it's a lot of what we're doing. So when we see a lot of funds like money moving to cash, that is really a sign that you should be buying equities. And then there's something called funds flow, where we watch mutual fund flows of money. And so if money is pouring into equity mutual funds, then you probably should be selling some equities. And the opposite works. And that what that tells you, that investors are usually doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Think the opposite way. Predicting market tops and bottoms. A lot of people will go, oh, the market just hit a new high. It's overvalued because they hear that or read that information. Again, there's a lot of reasons to look at valuation for sure, and that's very instrumental when we're choosing equities and we're looking at the markets in general. But remember, in bull markets, market highs go higher. All of these market corrections or bear markets, yeah, they're, they're painful when, when you're going through them, but overall markets move higher, right? So predicting a market top or bottom can be difficult. And again, don't panic and check your online access daily. Like I said before, you don't know what your house is worth on a daily basis, nor do you probably care. As long as you're in good quality companies, which again is what we do, we're not owning Joe Schmo mining and XYZ, loose pasture, <laughs> agriculture stocks or is, something, right? Is so, there really a Joe Schmo mining out there? <laughs> <laughs> no, there isn't. But the point is, people get what I mean by that. We own Microsoft, we own Amazon, we own JP Morgan. The riskiest company we own probably right now is Aritzia, which just went up 40% in two weeks. So we're, we're happy we rebought that at close to the low. And Air Canada would be something that could be more on the riskier side, but still a large company is well known. So that's where we tend to stay because some people really like to dabble in things they can't handle. And if a client comes to me and says, I want to buy Joshua Mining, I say, okay, you go buy it online on your own because I'm not involved in that. Never have been, never will be. I just believe in consistent returns over the long term and not taking bets on some of these high flyers. Absolutely. And that's where uh, talking to your neighbor uh, comes in, which you shouldn't. You can talk to your neighbor, just don't take investment advice from them. Yeah, don't talk about politics, religion, <laughs> or the stock market. <laughs> so those are all the things that you should not do. What are some of the things that investors should do uh, to ensure they set themselves up for success? Yeah, again, looking for opportunities, taking advantage of those market swings, as I said, and putting money to work at that time, understanding the strategy that you're in. I think for our clients, it's very easy to understand our strategy um, because I'm usually talking, yelling about it from the mountaintops, especially during market sell-offs, whether it's on the radio or on our podcast here, John. And so we provide Uber information to people about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And again, what you need to be clear about is your long-term goals. And just keep in mind that it is long-term, right? Unless you're trying to buy a property in a year from now, which again, our conversations we have with people, just understand again, you're investing for a longer period of time. Diversify your portfolio. So embrace diversification across asset classes such as stocks, bonds, and money market when needed. And just understand what makes those asset classes move. The bond market had been terrible in 2022, one of the worst bond markets in 40 years. Does that mean you should never own a bond again? Now the th things have changed. Rates are going to go down. That's good for fixed income. So maybe you should be increasing the fixed income in your portfolio. So again, 
all of those factors will set you up for investment success or hopefully you're dealing with an advisor that can guide you or is making these changes on your behalf so that you don't have to worry about it. Again, we have many tools in our tool belt as we're managing portfolios through all different parts of the market cycle and economic cycle. And even if something happens, like a black swan event that comes out of nowhere, we're ready to act. We always have a plan A and we always have a plan B, and that's what's important to our strategy. And I think that as the markets work their way through the end of this bear market and into a new bull market, as an investor, you want to be looking forward and not in the rearview mirror. I think that is really important as we move through 2024. You talk about the different sectors and because bonds had such a terrible time in the last few years that you should never buy another bond. I remember having many conversations with you about GICs and how you Mm -hmm. didn't want anything to do with them because they were actually losing people money. But Mm -hmm. in the last year or so, you've decided that because the interest rates were up, that they were worth having a look at. And that tells me that you have an open mind when it comes to all these things. You don't just never GICs. When they come up to a point where you're making some good money off them, why not? Exactly. Back in the day, even 2022 and, and previously, cash sitting in the portfolios, whether it was a GIC or not, it would earn 1% or something, right? So it wasn't too much to worry about. And then, of course, as rates started moving higher, then even cash can make money at this point. So why not utilize that and make that 4 to 5%? We even went a step further. We're using high interest savings accounts still to a certain degree. But because we know rates are going to move lower at some point this year, mm-hmm. we wanted to cut lock in the rate that was higher. So we're actually using a lot of Canadian T-bills. And John, I haven't even looked at a (laughs) T-bill since like the early 2000s. But now you can get 4 to 5% with T-bills. And remember, that's the safest, most liquid investment in Canada. So again, high interest savings accounts, which we have, which banks have, which are issued by all different institutions, there's really not a lot of guarantees on them. And it's hard to see in the fine print what they're really made up of. And again, just because I went and and managed money through the financial crisis, I think about these things on clients' behalf where they have no idea we're looking into that kind of stuff for them. When I saw T-bills that are similar, close to the same rate as a high interest savings account, let's use the T-bill because again, that rate's going to be there for the next almost year where high interest savings accounts, we will see those rates move lower as Bank of Canada reduces rates, which they're planning on doing. People are calling for spring of this year. That might be too soon. But the ideas are supposed to reduce by three quarters to 1% before the end of 2024. So again, that's what we're thinking about when even buying GICs or money market like T-bills. Over the long term, we want to make sure that we uh, keep those rates as high as possible. And the idea that rates will come down is also piggybacks on the idea that uh, a bull market is ahead of us because when interest rates are very high, that becomes problematic. But They are coming down, we hope. And from Mm -hmm. there, we can use that as a launching pad into uh, better looking markets. If they reduce rates just due to inflation is under control and there's no problems out there, and that is what would be considered likely a soft landing. We still have very low unemployment and very high consumer spending, which is all positive for the soft landing narrative. And so going forward, we want to see that the Bank of Canada, as well as the Fed, start reducing rates because, again, that could be the beginning of a new bull market. And we were just looking today of how much cash is on the sidelines. 
it's the most ever in history. So what that tells me, when rates start moving lower, people can't get 4 or 5% in money market. Where is that money going to go? It's going to go back into markets. And that will create one of probably, in my opinion anyway, one of the biggest bull markets we've ever seen. When that starts, it's going to be hard to know. But that much cash sitting on the sidelines, I think it was something like $8 trillion. That money's wow. going to come somewhere at some point. Yeah. So that's, that's very exciting. And most people are back up to where they were and over and moving on up. And so I think that's also important to acknowledge that the markets just don't go down forever and never have, never will. And eventually they turn the corner. And that is what we've seen. And that's an exciting time to be an investor again. Absolutely. When we're doing this podcast, we're talking to the public, not just clients. And so anybody that's with us knows that they don't have to worry about it. We've got it under control and we'll get them through any market conditions because of active management, because we're on top of it, because I've got a big team, along with myself, making those really important decisions during difficult times. And it's vital going forward that people do have the right strategy in place. And even though I'm bullish about 2024, as we all know, anything can happen. And you just want to have that financial team that's able to be flexible, get it in and out, do what they need to do in order to protect your wealth so that you don't have to worry and you can go on enjoying retirement or if you're working, have more time for your family. You want to be with a team that you have confidence in so that you can do what you love to do on a daily basis. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap up this edition of Ready, Set, Retire, we always like to end on a quote. So what have you found for us? I would say, as we navigate the twists and turns of the new year, let's remember that discipline, a clear plan, and adaptability are our allies in the pursuit of long-term investment success. Who said that? Me. You did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't... <laughs> oh, I have another well, one. That's... Actually, I... I don't even have where some of these quotes come from, but that That, that sounded me. pretty darn good, actually. It <laughs> yes. was a nice synopsis of the last 25 minutes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Listen, always a treat to talk to you and always a lot of fun. We will do this once again in a couple of weeks. You're on Ready, Set, Retire. Until then, I hope you're well, and I look forward to our next discussion. I do as well, John. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuities Research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and I rock.